Welcome to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast. We're so happy you're here today to learn about how to create fresh perspectives on profitability, people, productivity, and finding peace in your business. Today, we're going to dive into people and their tech. So this is all about productivity. And productivity impacts your business in so many ways. And today we have an expert to talk about that. So before we go there, I guess I should introduce myself as your host. My name is Maggie Mongan, and I'm a tenured master business coach, trainer, strategist for about 20 years now. I'm the CEO of Brilliant Breakthroughs, Inc., which is a coaching practice specializing in guiding businesses to optimize business performance and leadership. And I am all about improving the underserved small business sector, so much so that I went ahead and created this really cool thing that became a number one best-selling book series for small businesses. Now, like all good things, I didn't do it alone. I invited experts, different experts with different topics to come forward and help guide small business owners in optimizing their business. And today I'd like to share with you, we have one of those experts with us. It's Dennis Hill. The crowd's going to go wild. (laughs) Hi, Maggie. Hi, Dennis. And Dennis is a true polymath, a background in engineering, business, and law, coupled with long life experiences in solving technical and business problems for companies large and small in the US and abroad. He sees the need for business owners to recognize the value of taking time to set up an integrated information structure for daily operations and in doing so, realize great gains in time, productivity, and ultimately the advantage over competition. Big welcome to you. Thank you for joining our series. Well, thanks for inviting me. It's, it's been really a great event to meet all the other authors and to work with you, Maggie, on I think what is a very, very important and valuable project. Thank you. And you are a great asset to our team. We really appreciate you showing up the way you do. <laughs> so let's talk about this whole thing, this, this book that we've created. The book is volume four in the series, Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And the subtitle is Fresh Perspectives on Profitability, People, Productivity, and Finding Peace in Your Business. Now, Dennis, your chapter is titled Integrate for Well-Managed Intentional Growth. I absolutely love that. That should almost be a mantra for everybody in business. Integrate for well-managed intentional growth. So thank you on that. It's an exciting topic. I've spent my life, pretty much most of my life, integrating things. Well, that would be what a polymath would do. (laughs) So we're off to a great start. And I'm so thrilled that you're with us today, Dennis, because our listeners are in for a real treat. Uh, We need experts like you sharing your wisdom to help us navigate these innovative and transformative times that we're living in. Oh, my gosh. All right. And um, 
why don't we just dive into the conversation so others can learn a little bit about what you do and what's important for them related to what you do? Should we wow them? Let's try. Okay. That sounds like a good plan. <laughs> I have some questions for you. Can I bring them on right away? You may. I kind of anticipated that. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps during an interview, we would have a question. <laughs> okay. So um, I, I want to let everybody know this is the first of five episodes that you're going to do in our podcast series. So we're really excited about that. And um, over the next few interviews, we're going to dive deeper into integrating information systems. Ooh, that's a mouthful. Integrating information systems that you outlined in your chapter. So where would be the best place for us to start, Dennis? You're the expert. Lead us. Okay. So let's hear the first wow. Wow. Great introduction, Maggie. Thank you so much for having me. And that's a great kickoff question. <laughs> you know, in engineering and in science, we always go back to first principles. It's always, what is the foundation? What is the fundamental? What are we looking for at the beginning? And what is obvious to the entrepreneur is rarely obvious to the rest of the world, except, of course, to other entrepreneurs with whom they compete. Mm. Uh, but what marks one success over another is the early identification of potential impediments to their success. And these are always known at the outset of every venture, whether they are real or imagined. Hmm. Potential impediments. I, I like that because, boy, uh, as, a, as somebody who's worked with entrepreneurs and business owners for about 20 years now, there is so much that's always in our way. And sometimes it's us and sometimes it's our tech, but it all impedes upon our productivity, which ultimately leads to profitability, right? That's right. Okay. So when you said that, my head sort of exploded there for a moment because I agree with this and I know it's a truth and it is a, ooh, wait, hit rewind on that. So everybody, if you're listening to this, go ahead, rewind and listen to first principles uh, because Dennis just nailed something very important. But when we're looking at this, what I'd, I'm hoping you can do is help us unpack this a little more um, because I see so many business owners having difficulty getting into their marketplace, getting into business itself and doing it in an effective and efficient fashion. And then that really impacts their success rate, not so favorably right out of the gate. And we don't have time for that anymore, right? We gotta, we gotta come out of the gate strong. So Dennis, help us take another dive into this conversation because this is where we begin. So, so reasons, <laughs> okay. Why do we fail? Because we fail. Well, uh, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs, well, how do I say this? The small business owners themselves um, have a vision. They have a dream. 
Um, and, and unfortunately, they may not have all of the perspective. In fact, I think in successful businesses, it takes a group. It takes counsel of others to see things and to work those details out in order to identify what's going on. So um, when we talk about the fact that entrepreneurs do go into business and many of them do so not knowing all of the barriers to success, mm. that's actually the reason why so many fail. Um, they haven't really done the homework and they haven't surrounded themselves by individuals necessarily who could make up for the gaps in their own background. Um, over the years, I've realized by observing literally hundreds of others that succeeding in business is less about what you do well and more attributed to overcoming one's weaknesses or impediments that challenge and frustrate us on a daily basis. So in other words, if I can, if I, this is one of those little nuggets too, that is so simple, I just want to repeat it. What you do well will put bread on the table. But what prevents you from excelling isn't what you do well and just doing it better. It's actually what you don't do well. It's what's holding you back. In other words, the only way to really excel is to overcome your weaknesses. Don't just ignore them. Don't just delegate them to some later day. Acknowledge them because those are the things that are holding you back. And so uh, it really doesn't matter whether the issues are financial, operational, staffing, or marketing, technical. Uh, show me your pain points and I'll show you what is interfering with your success. Now you sound like you hear what I talk about with my clients. <laughs> it's like, what's the one thing you're resisting? Because chances are that's your weakness and you have to figure out how to overcome it and or outsource it to an appropriate person, not just anyone. Well, and it's a list of things usually. Correct. It's, it's not, it's never any one thing. And the more you can uh, manage your venture, um, and I'm not saying take a big enterprise approach to risk man management or risk minimization. That's not what it's about. I mean, People dream dreams and they throw wings on and they jump off a cliff thinking they're going to fly. And if the Wright brothers never thought that, we wouldn't have modern airplane. Okay. <laughs> so these are the things that we, but how we do it, how we minimize the risk uh, is the difference between a Wright brother success and an Icarus failure melting and falling to the ground. Beautiful. So these, these, are, these are real practical tools. They're not just metaphors of life, but... Uh, and they're simple. That's the beautiful thing about this. These are, you know, the brilliance is, is actually through throughout the chapters I've read of the other authors and the previous three volumes. It's it's really in the simple things that um, reveal the brilliance of the opportunity. Yes, I'm so glad you brought that up, because mm -hmm. everybody says, oh, it's just this one thing, and and I start everybody off with the one thing because then it goes to the next and the next and the next. But there typically is a combination. So let's let's dive a little deeper into that. And thank you for sharing because <laughs> this is a journey and you're nailing it perfectly about this whole world. What do you want to say? Well, most, most people just look at me. I'm not, I shouldn't say most people. I think people stereotype computer type people and technology type people. It's not being people people, right? 
And, and as you know, I have used that as an excuse at times. It just, I'm not a people person. And, and no, 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 no. They always fight that. Well, the reality is that a lot of the issues involving technology today is the difference between standing at the edge of the Oklahoma territory with our homestead opportunity and our wagons and driving out there and, and finding that wild frontier that we're going to populate. That has been the computer age from the 70s into the 80s and into the birth of the internet and the web into the late 90s. Past Y2K, things began to mature, commoditize. And because of that, the technology and the the um, the uniqueness of those experiences, the novelty of technology actually became as routine as us seeing cars now delivered with new designs every spring or every fall. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's the same thing. We, we just expect a new iPhone this week. We just expect a new processor from Intel next week. We just expect uh, new gaming software in November, just in time for the holidays. These These are the things that are part of our cultural makeup now. And so that wild frontier, that homestead, starting to look more like urban planning and 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 <laughs> agribusiness and and things like that in the technology field. So ultimately, it still comes down to the age-old problem of people and processes and how we bring those things into alignment. And that's where integrated systems come in. Okay, so there's all of these opportunities, so much potential for us to step into and look at any aspect of our business specifically. And I, I guess I want to ask you, and you, I think you've already started to share a little bit of that with us, is why did you really decide to talk about integrated systems in your chapter? They, the models of uh, systems are models of people. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Okay, from time to time, I'm going to stop you, Dennis, because that's like, wow. (laughs) Say it again. (laughs) Integrative systems are like people. All right, yeah. When we look at, no, we look at the models of systems. Oh, pardon me. Okay. The models of systems are the models of people. Okay. Models of integrative systems are like models of people. Got it. Okay. So in the book, I share three basic information system types, right? The isolated, the interfaced, and the integrated. Uh, the isolated being uh, not just a, a, a you know a, a computer program that might sit on, on a laptop or a PC someplace, and it does one task. Can you give and, an example? Uh, shipping. Uh, yeah, a shipping system. Uh, okay. we, we, find, we find that, uh, especially in a small business, uh, they might prefer postal service, UPS, FedEx, DHL, or some other carrier. Each one of them have their own software. And that software doesn't talk to your, your QuickBooks or your Sage Accounting or your, or your uh, Outlook and tie into your names and addresses you end up having to feed that information into this isolated package mm. um, in order to just get out labels. Okay, you that know, makes sense. So the isolated one takes a lot of manual effort. And 
the value of the data is as isolated in terms of it's used to, throughout the entire company. Now, nobody would argue that shipping isn't critical to the business, <laughs> right? So what we're talking about is how do we get that product to the people? We have to put that information in there. And that's the process that takes a lot more time, and a lot more effort and gets out of sync with other isolated systems in the business, like the accounting, the order entry, the time and labor that you have to do to pay your people. These things all end up, and then the shipping model, just to go pick the product off the list of, of a, you know, using your picking list, to pull it off the shelf and box it, wrap it, and ship it out. These are, these are processes that people do literally the way I've described it in many, many small businesses. The reality is, that kind of action will never gain traction that really allows you to grow and ultimately scale your business. Mm -hmm. It begins at that lowest level. It goes back to the first principle. And an isolated approach results in a lot of isolated and therefore laborious functions to maintain. Okay, that, now that is simple to understand. So that's the first of the systems. What's the next one? Interfaced. Okay. So the interfaced individual is somebody uh, or interface software is where you basically have two very dissimilar solutions, programs, and they have to share data with one another. Um, so we kind of build this bridge between them, right? We build a bridge that we have and we get this interface. Well, they're like tectonic plates. Right? Okay. Uh, where we have continental plates literally interfaced. We can, if you've ever driven over the San Andreas Fault, it's kind of interesting. It's not very wide. Um, in fact, if you blink, you're going to drive over the fault and, and miss it. Uh, but that is the joining of two plates. And what happens is when one plate moves against the other, as one software package grows and develops and the other one needs to keep up with that in order to share the data, you get this rubbing effect and literally a tension spot. If mm. any one of these, if either of these two programs go out of whack, boom, you no longer have that connection. So you have to do what? Build another bridge. And isn't that exactly what happens in an earthquake? You know, two, <laughs> two things get out of whack either side and all they do is rebuild the bridges. That's an interface. So in systems, it's the same way. Two packages that have a bridge between them get out of sync, like um, your website and your Google map and Google's backend solution goes, you know, they, they advance it in some way, but you don't upgrade your website to keep track with that. And all of a sudden, you no longer have directions to your business on your website. That's because the bridge you built is broken. So okay. that requires maintenance. Is, is that, that help? Yes, that helps greatly. All right. And then there's the third. Oh, interfaced, <clears throat> right? And we love interfaces because, uh, I'm sorry, we love interfaces because they do make things functional, but we prefer integrated. Okay. Where we really don't see that fissure, that fault. Uh, in fact, as the two sides of something interface, and they may even be more than two, 
They might be four, they might be eight, they might be many, many different systems that all come in through one common backend database, for lack of any other word, a, a, a repository of all your digital assets, all your information about your customers, your vendors, your orders, your prospects, um, your marketing campaigns, all those analytics, everything that that you hear and read about in Forbes magazine or Harvard Business Review that you say, that doesn't mean a thing to me because here I'm trying to just try to get my little PPE masks out to the mass market that I'm making in my basement. <laughs> all right. Okay. You, these, the, to have an integrated solution gives you the ability to take action and have that information stay in sync and flow from one side of the business across it to the other side of the business without those problems that we had with the labor involved in isolation, the problems that we get from the fissure cracks uh, of interface. And as a result, all that information is quickly, easily, centrally managed centrally accessible and an incredible savings of time. Why? Why is this important? Because the Joneses are doing this. Your competition is doing this. Uh -oh. And so you want to get PPP, PP, PPP, PPE. E. <laughs> going on this year. Um, that, that you want to get your PPE out there how do you do that if you're also competing against companies all around the globe? And you are. So uh, small businesses in America, unlike other places around the world, um, you have to deal with issues of labor. You have to deal with issues of expensive labor, benefits, regulations, and so forth. That um, a lot of other countries, businesses operating in other countries do not have to do. And so there's a lot of things that a business owner needs to be cognizant of. The least they should be concerned about is that managing all that labor involved in islands of isolation, interface programs that get out of whack. And so the integrated approach of one smooth operating system becomes inherently a competitive advantage for that business. I love this. Okay. So many of us hear things like, oh, well, in order for you to get this software or application to speak with that software application slash program, whatever it's being called, yep. you need something like Zapier. Yes. Okay. So that is one of those bridges you were talking about. Correct. And you have to pay Zapier to maintain the bridges that it creates. Okay. Which is fine. That's good. It doesn't give you an integrated solution. It does give you an interface solution because it's getting the data from point A to point B and they've taken responsibility for those bridges. But that's different than integrated where the, well, data, where the data is going out and coming in all through one system that you own, that you possess, that you are responsible for. Well, sure, because if I have uh, A and B and I need them to talk to each other with a zap, 
if A does an upgrade, it may not be compatible and it might stop B from functioning properly because the transfer isn't as smooth as it once was when it was initially set up. And a lot of people don't understand that's why they have problems. Well, I'll give you a really good example, a very practical one. Everybody does email automation today and if they're not, they will be. Okay, <laughs> so you're using MailChimp Constant Contact. But the value of, of customer engagement comes in through uh, not just throwing stuff at them, but asking them for something back, right? Yes. So surveys are introduced, very quick surveys. I actually have a website called Strange Poll. And it, and it's, it was set up as a one question, almost Google-like page with one question, this is what it is. And, um, and, and that's all it does. And uh, we ask this one question and, and we get polled results. Okay, so that's a survey. If I'm going to engage my clients in some way, I want them to click on my email, right? And there I'm gonna do a survey. And we do these all the time. We do climate surveys of our employees, of our customers. We do satisfaction surveys. We do follow-up surveys. And they're all introduced to them through email automation because the survey product is not a good email automation tool. MailChimp is, constant contact is. Got it. So we bury the link within that that says, hey, we're asking for some feedback. Would you mind clicking on this link and, and giving us 10 seconds of your wisdom? And that takes them to the survey. So here we now have three points coming in. We have MailChimp mail automation coming in from our, our basically our whatever our customer system is. And we have our electronic survey software, which for lack of any other word, I'm gonna say Typeform, which is a product like the others. And while Either of them could say, hey, we also support surveys or email automation. The fact of the matter is that neither do the other's jobs very well. These are the best of breed products. So an integrated solution pulls in those analytics from the form uh, from the from the survey, pulls in the analytics from the mail automation. So I know that you didn't answer it the first time we sent it to you. In fact, you didn't answer the last 10, but for some reason the topic in this MailChimp got you to click it. And here's your automated results coming back on the survey. So we're talking about campaigns that also amalgamate, assimilate, pull together, gather, summarize, use whatever words you want. But we're pulling information now from two different products and putting that into our customer database so that we can now identify our hot prospects and what really trigger them to engage with us. And that is where an integrated system shines. I mean, absolutely shines because if the tool is set up correctly and a system is truly integrated, not just interfaced, you're kicking off campaigns and engaging customers on a daily basis. Not all 30,000, not all 100,000, <laughs> just segments. You can run a campaign like this over weeks and just segment your pool and gather data all the way through segmenting it, looking at the demographics and so forth. And yes, you can do this ma and you can do this pop in your mom and pa shop. Okay. Because you don't, you have an integrated solution that does all this for you. You don't need to go find it and you don't need to build it. It's not an erector set. It's a finished Tesla. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so you, you just really laid it out there for us. Right. And I, I could say, so, what does a small business owner really need to do? And I 
think we can probably surmise from what you just said. Mm -hmm. So I'd like to ask you my next question. And that is, assuming small business owners are convinced that an intentional and integrative information um, access should be applied to their business, well, what then? Because, you know, you just gave us the case. It was beautiful. Uh, MailChimp is Susie, and Constant Contact is Fred, and Typeform is Dennis. You don't get the value of the information and leverage it unless it's a team. So it mm. takes a team approach. It this is where the people aspect comes in and why integrated systems are so effective, where everyone adopts the same intention to integrate. If you don't do this, that's why the chapter is about intentional growth. Okay, you have to, it has to be intentional and well-managed. Otherwise, you end up with island building, again, <laughs> doing their own thing. Okay. Uh, it takes Which we mom. know is no good, but very common. Very common. In fact, I have to say this. <laughs> Look for the busiest data cruncher in the company, and chances are quite high that they are gathering information, putting it in the spreadsheets, and creating reports. And don't be surprised if the source of data is actually a report coming out of another program that they have access to in the system. Oh, sure. They're just reporting what is somewhere else and they're, they're putting it all together. 30% of the study, when I did this decades ago, and I've been in this a little longer than yourself, but that's the benefit of being as young as you are and my being as old as I am. <laughs> um, this idea of using the computer to extract data, to turn around and type it back into a spreadsheet or something over here used to be as much as 30% of people's jobs. Oh, I, I, I believe that data processing, right? Data entry. It was all a thing, but we're in this century now. This is 21st century solutions for business. Right. We're in a, we're in the post information age. This is, this is what the world economic forum refers to as the fourth industrial revolution, which is where knowledge and knowledge management comes in. The value of data itself is based on its application not on the technology to manage it. And so when we're talking about this idea of integrating, um, it takes transparency and accountability of each person with access to the data, not just the users of the information or the takers of the information, but the contributors of it, to understand that garbage in does only produce garbage out. Mm -hmm. The level of interdependency exists within the organization and the alignment in achieving well-managed intentional growth entirely from the result of having well-managed intentional people. Okay. That makes sense to me. Okay. okay. And I, with what you just said there, I want to thank you because every year, whoever is in our productivity performance pillar in the book, they always challenge me to step up my productivity and I've been I've been thinking a little differently. I've been saying, okay, I don't want to live in Dennis's brain. <laughs> no, 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 no. But what is the easiest or the simplest or the, the greatest effect of changing what I'm doing now to the way Dennis might say, hey, Maggie, have you tried this? Well, we go back to pain points. 
Right. So right. Just, but some of it's not even pain points. You're just challenging me to say, how do I do this better? It's and, symptomatic, right? I, we, we can be carriers of, of COVID, for example, but not be symptomatic. We can be asymptomatic. But systems display the symptoms, the systems display, well, there's a little bit of alliteration. Systems display the symptoms of the company. Okay. Whether, whether the company is functional or dysfunctional. And in this case, a dysfunctional company can cost owners dearly. Yes. So people are part of the system solution. They're not separate and distinct. It's not like I have computers and software and I have people to run them. They are together. Always. Always. So integrating the systems, people, the processes, the underlying information structure, which I am uh, advocating to be integrated, that's where the business owner will realize true competitive advantages. Okay. Dennis, we have a couple more minutes. How do we wrap this up? Because it's it might be like another two months before you come back <laughs> into into the the podcast uh, rotation. How do we help set up small business owners right now so they can have some competitive advantage? What what's your final words there? I love the silence. Well, I want to sound profound, but it still comes down to simplicity. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's when you think you've seen the big picture, step back. Mm. Put on the larger lenses, the biggest you can get. And if they're not big enough, continue to grind them. Grind your own lenses to be larger, larger, larger. For example, somebody says, what's wrong with this picture? Or what's particularly unique about this picture? The business owner should be, I'm not saying they necessarily have to be, but the business owner that sees the bigger picture doesn't just look at what is in the frame, but they look at the frame. They look around the frame. They look at the wall that's hung on. They look at the lighting in the room. They look at the entrance as you're coming into that room. They look at the foyer that goes to the entrance of that room of the building that you're going to enter into and all of the things that welcome people that are going to draw them to this this exhibit, this art, this piece that's on the wall that's their business. And you have to look at it in context of everything that's that leads up to approaching and and resolving that engagement. So that sounds complex, but it's not. It's it's, it's looking at the picture, at the frame, at the wall, at the lighting, in the room, how you enter it, all the way out to the front steps of the building you walk into, and even the experience of having parked. Mm. Because your customer is going to deal with you this way. They're not just interested in that stroke of oil on the canvas they want to appreciate what went into that they want to know that the support is there long term they are making an investment in your company they're making an investment in your idea and when we look at this 
we can't ignore the total context of your, for example, as we talked about PPE business in your basement, okay? You are competing with Joneses and Shinakas and Galvezes. You are competing on a global stage. And if there's any year that could have made that clearer to even the smallest business owner, it's this year. The pandemic brought the world to a stop. And your business was either positively or adversely affected by that. So were your solutions there to support you through this process as a business owner? Or were you just canoeing between your islands and trying to figure things out? Were oh. you walking across bridges that were crumbling as the plates of the interfaces went out of whack? Or were you smoothly navigating through these changing times and continuing to change through a smooth flowing integrated solution that takes you from that parking lot all the way to that beautiful work of art that is your business? Thank you, because what you just said is the first step, it's awareness. And now, until you come back again, people get to sit there and think about what they've created and how they may not be creating what they think they created to advance their business and make ease for themselves, right? Yes. So small business owners, I know you're going to love the next episode that we do with Dennis, but for now, play with this and, and just start observing what you've really created over time because chances are there's a better way to do it. And you don't have to do it all tonight or tomorrow. Just start with awareness. Listeners, I also would like to say you can learn more and engage with Dennis Hill. You can start by reading chapter six in volume four of the book, Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. Now, on November 11th, so that's 11-11-2020, it will be available on Amazon, but not till then. And when you go there, if you type in Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner, you're going to see we have a few other books out there. The one Dennis is authoring in is the one with the beautiful, vibrant amethyst cover. And at the end of his chapter, he has created something really wonderful. Besides all the different ways you can get a hold of him, he also created an invitation to help you further with this and, and explore where you really would like to take your business. So we have much happening in the next couple of weeks, because obviously this is being recorded before the release day. But there is a way that you can engage with Dennis right now and see all sorts of good stuff that's going on in his world. And that is by going to our books app, Brilliant Biz Book. So go to your app store and download Brilliant Biz Book. And we have a feature called Ask an Expert. You'll see Dennis Hill's name there. Click on it type your question and he'll get back to you. Right, Dennis? That's right, Maggie. 
<laughs> that's a first. Yeah, that's right, Maggie. No, there's no, no, I'm committed to this. This is great. This is this is the community of small business owners, and they have their own app that exposes them to hundreds of great ideas, and not just the current authors, right? Right. But even it's, the past authors. Right. So we have four volumes worth of brilliant practicing experts who serve small business. It's a pretty slick app. I'm showing it here. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. It's actually, it's actually, this is a, this is an awesome app because it, it not only promotes the book, obviously, and promotes the podcast and gives you easy access to it, but look, this is where we're at today. If it's not in your hand, it's going to take work. Right. It doesn't matter what it is. So you need to have access to these experts and you need to have access to the resources that they have. And this is all available through through brilliant breakthroughs and maggie you've done a really tremendous job on this just fantastic well thank you wish and i had had this when i started my first small business oh i love hearing that that's that's a high compliment and i will accept that because it was designed to help the small business sector after all small business is the accelerant of our economy right globally even mm -hmm. so i would like to thank you for your wisdom sharing and your time today dennis thank you maggie i look forward to uh the continuing conversations and a successful book launch absolutely and listeners we appreciate you listening to the brilliant breakthroughs podcast where you learn about how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business. Shine brightly until next week.